0: God, we have already been ministered to. We have listened to words. We've sung them, God. Holy Spirit, you are here. You are amongst us. Lord, may we just continue to let you minister to us, O oh, Holy Spirit, fall on this place. God, we each come from different places today. We all have needs. Holy Spirit, meet each one of us at our point of need. Find those things that will encourage and inspire and help us today and seed those deep into our heart. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mad Magazine is an American humor magazine founded in 1952. I know many of you here remember having this silly magazine around as a young person. The magazine offers satire on all aspects of American life and pop culture, politics, entertainment, and public figures. One journalist described Mad's mission as being, quote, ever ready to pounce on the illogical, hypocritical, self-serious, and ludicrous. ...before concluding, nowadays it's part of the oxygen we breathe, and it still is, isn't it? Alfred E. Newman is the fictional mascot of Mad Magazine. Since his debut in Mad, Newman's likeness, distinguished by his jug ears, his missing front tooth... ...and one eye slightly lower than the other, has graced the cover of all but a handful of the magazine's 500 issues. Editor Harvey Kurtzman first spotted the image on a postcard... ...pinned to the office bulletin board of another magazine. Quote, It was a face that didn't have a care in the world except mischief. He is typically the focal point of the magazine's cover... ...with his face often replacing a celebrity or character... ...that they're going to poke fun at within that issue. Here's a few of Alfred E. Newman's quotes. A plastic surgeon's office is the only place where no one gets offended when you pick your nose... How come we choose for just two people for president, but 50 for Miss America? Most people are so lazy, they don't even exercise good judgment. And the last one, if opera is entertainment, then falling off a roof is transportation. (laughs) Alfred E. Newman's third appearance in July of 1955 included his now familiar signature phrase. You know it, right? What? What? Me worry? And I don't know if Newman's lack of concern was ignorance about the world around him. If it's just a simpleton attitude, I don't care. Or if it is a Christian perspective. But he is our poster boy for today's scripture. So let me read to you Matthew 6, 25 to 34. And I'm going to be using the NIV, the New International Version today. Uh, The verses can also be found in your message notes and up on the screen as well. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Three times in this scripture, Jesus tells us not to worry. In 25 and verse 31, and again in verse 34. Jesus just finished in this section talking about materialism, which Pastor John covered a couple weeks ago. Jesus also spoke recently in here about not storing up treasures on earth, but instead we should be storing up treasures in heaven. Jesus realized that when we focus on how much stuff we think we should have, it leads to anxiety. And if that was a message that would need was needed then it is certainly a message that is needed today. According to the Anxiety Disorder Association of America, or the ADAA for those that know, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States affecting 40 million adults in the United States 18 and older. That's 18.1 percent of our population. Anxiety disorders cost the US more than 42 billion dollars a year Almost one-third of the country's $148 billion total mental bill, health bill. People with an anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric, psychiatric disorders than those who do not suffer from anxiety disorder. And then the National Institute of Anxiety and Stress add these things. Anxiety disorders are the number one mental health problem in America, surpassing even depression in numbers. Anxiety disorders cost the U.S. workplace $46.6 billion annually. 88% of this figure, figure is from lost productivity. And one more. Women suffer from anxiety and stress almost twice as much as men. Now, I'm not an expert, and I can't address any of these, but, but, but I do think I have the last one figured out. Okay? Women suffer from anxiety and stress almost twice as men, as much as men because they have to live with us. Right? Right? So, (laughs) oh, I think it's the first time I've ever been booed in an entire sermon. (laughs) Hopefully it'll be the last time. Some of the anxiety disorders you might recognize include generalized anxiety disorder, obsessive-compulsive panic disorders, post-traumatic stress, social anxiety, and specific phobias, and millions and millions and millions of Americans are suffering with these. Although medications won't cure anxiety, they can keep the symptoms under control and enable someone to lead a very normal and fulfilling life. So we are filling our bodies with things such as Paxil, Antivin, Floxatine, and Doxapin. We are taking Valium, Xanax, and Clozapan. We take sleeping pills to go to bed, and we gulp down caffeine in the morning to get us up. People are running to counselors by the millions, hoping that they can help take away some of the stress and some of the worry from their lives. All this just to say, we worry a lot. All of that that I've given you now is just to say this, we worry a lot in our lives. Hopefully you're not like this woman. She said she has a master's degree in worry. When a a friend posted a photo on Facebook of a snake she'd found inside her home, uh, yeah, uh, other people replied on her page, sharing about the snakes they'd found in their pots and pans, coiled under their beds, between the couch cushions, and in the toilet. I twitched out of sympathy for her. For days after that, I made it a point to look in my pots and pans, between my couch cushions, under my bed, and definitely in the toilet. <laughs> so, well, maybe you aren't like her, but I know that all of us at, at times give in, and we... we we get controlled by this idea of worry. So I want you to take out your message notes now and I want you to think about writing down in, in, in this space some of the things you worry about. Now I apologize, we had a lot to put on here. That's a really small space. <laughs> you're either going to have to write really, really small or you're going to have to flip it over right on the top, go down the side, borrow a paper from a friend. But I'd like you to consider filling in some things you worry about. Start big, think about your future. But begin to narrow that down to those little things, those everyday nagging things that get to you and you find yourself lost in worry over them. Okay, put your heads down. I'm a teacher. I know you're not writing if you're looking at me. Okay, at least you're not on your cell phones texting like most students. So write down a few things. And as you do that, I'm just going to keep rambling and give you a couple ideas of things you might want to consider. Can I ever retire Is that car with over 200,000 miles going to conk out any day soon? Did we pick the right school for our kids? Can I pass that test? How will I pay for college? Or if you're the parents, how will we pay for that college? How is my relationship with, fill in the blank, spouse, children, family, relatives, Friends, so fill those in. We're going to come back to these later. It's going to be important that you have a list. Write down three, four, five, few things that you just find yourself worrying about. And I don't want to leave off the most important one this week: Will Will Kentucky go undefeated and win it all in the NC2A March Madness? Some of you are actually maybe worried about that. So we'll come back to this list later just keep that handy so I, I want to make sure you understand that I think there's a difference between worry and concern there's a difference between worry and concern our attitude isn't to be I don't care uh, we are to be concerned about things like our spiritual walk we're to care for others and be concerned about injustice and poverty that is in our world we are to be concerned to the point of tears for the lost who do not know Jesus The Apostle Paul had a big list of concerns, big, big list. And yet, he says this in 2 Corinthians, Besides everything else on my list, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. Concern is okay, but worrying about that is not. The difference is that this kind of worry, the kind of worry that we're talking about today, is self-centered and has at its root a lack of trust in God. The worry I'm talking about is self-centered and has at its root a lack of trust in God. So let me ask you, what do you do when you find yourself worrying? I've given you some options on here. There's some little circles. You can check them off. What do you do when you find yourself worrying? Do you go to sleep? Do you read? Do you get out and run or ride a bike, get some exercise? Maybe you just sit and dwell on it. For some of you, perhaps you just try to ignore it. If I ignore it long enough, it'll just go away. Do you actually do something about it? Do you make a list, check things off, find out if you're naughty or nice? Oh, wait, that was another one. Do you pray about your worries? Do you have someone that you can talk to about the things going on in your life? Those are all options of things you might be able to do when you find yourself worrying. Well, according to the scripture I read, what kinds of things are we not to worry about? What are we not to worry about? Here's some things scripture told us today. We're not to worry about our life, hmm. our current situation, our future. And again, I make the difference between concern and obsessively worrying, compulsively worrying about everything in our life. We're not to do that. We're not to worry about what... Uh, to eat or what to drink we're not to worry about our food you know I think the only worry we have our food is which restaurant should we go to after church today (laughs) we're not a people who have had to worry probably much about food but perhaps for some of you you have and that's a legitimate concern in your life we're not to worry about our body about our looks and our appearance scripture tells us that physical exercise is of some value I believe in that But to obsessively worry about every little thing. And trust me, as you get older, you give that up, right? Every time you look in the mirror, you may as well just give it up to God because it ain't getting any better. And we're we're not to worry about our clothes and obsess over that as well. Okay, I I have this example. I found a picture of this woman. Her name's Heidi Montag. She's an actress. I have no idea who she is or what she's ever been in. But... She got caught wearing her $4,295 dress and her $745 shoes twice in one week by the paparazzi. How dare she? What was she thinking wearing those same clothes twice? Unbelievable. What a fashion faux pas for her. We're not to do that. MTV actually called it for her fashion suicide. We are not to be those kind of people. So why? Why are we not to worry about these things? What did Scripture tell us? How can we find help from Scripture about why we are not to worry about these things? Here's a few things. Verse 26. said that God takes care of the birds. So he'll take care of us. We are more valuable than they are because we are created in his image. And verse 27. It can't add any, you know, worrying can't add time to your day. 20 I've discovered this twenty four hours equals twenty four hours no more no less and worrying will not help you get more done in that way in verse 30 God's going to take care of our needs and we need to learn to begin to trust him in verse 32 the first part this is how unbelievers act they run after those things in hopes that sometime they will some way they will find peace in their life because they have stuff in verse 32 the second part is God knows what we need he knows what you need and verse 34 kind of an interesting little part says each day each day has its own concerns each day has things we should consider so let's not get worried about everything else let's just stick with taking care of today's business this little phrase look at the birds says look at the birds okay think about that if these windows were open and you were looking at the birds what would you notice about them they fly around, they eat when they're hungry. Occasionally they seem to be playing a game of tag. They don't seem to be worrying at all. But the reality is they have to do their part. If a bird sits on a branch and never does anything, it will not get the food it needs. So the bird actually has to fly. It has to work. It has to seek out. The point here is that God does provide, but the bird has to do its part. And we also must do our part the best we can with what we've been given to know how to deal with the issues in our life. We have to do our part. And then it says, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor. They do not spin. Since God takes care of the inanimate flowers, which are beautiful for a short time and then are gone, how much more will he take care of us? We are his prized possession we are his masterpiece of all creation he wants to take care of us the second part of verse 25 says this is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes i would say for most of us here we say we value god's ideals over the world but do we really believe that If we cannot get over our selfish ways, if we cannot get over our materialistic attitudes, if we cannot learn to rely on God, then is it Jesus speaking to us when he says, Oh, you of little faith that you couldn't trust me for this. Those who don't know God, the unbelievers, it says that they seek these things of the world to bring them pleasure, to somehow figure out that they would have a different kind of life and not worry. But I think we all know that's not the answer. We as believers ought to have a better system in place. We ought to approach things in a different manner when worry comes up in our lives. Now again, it doesn't doesn't mean you're not going to be concerned. If you lose your job, that's a huge deal. That is an issue of concern. When the car breaks down, oh, necessary evil those things are. But when the car breaks down and you've got to figure out where to get the money get that, that's a concern. If there are issues, if there are struggles, if there are problems in your family, I get it, those are concerns and we can be concerned about them. But what we're saying here is we need to do what we can to make our situation better and then rely on and trust God that he also is in that situation and has our best interests at heart. And we need him to come through for us. God is not calling us to laziness. He is calling us to trust him. Let me say that again. God is not calling us to laziness. He is calling us to trust him. Okay, go back to the birds for a minute. Don't envision this one out the window. But a bird's life is is uncertain. Sometimes they starve. Some fly into windows and others are eaten by predators. Sorry, I just had to lay that out there. All birds die in a rather short lifespan. So, Jesus is not saying that if we trust God, everything will be smooth sailing all the time. What he is saying is, in the midst of those things, he will be there for you. He will be there for you. So, for not to worry, for not to worry, and we're not to have these anxious thoughts, what are we to do instead? What are we to do instead? I've got a little clip that I think explains it quite well for you.
1: What is happiness, and how can we cultivate it? Even the word happy can seem like an abstract term, meaning different things to different people. But rising interest in the subject by social scientists has generated research-based findings that can now be parlayed into practical action. Here, we boil down the experiments to get some solid advice, which can make us all a little bit happier. Step one. Be a do-gooder. Researchers caution against mistaking pleasure for happiness. Pleasure is based on external factors and leaves one craving more, more, more. Happiness, however, is influenced less directly, even by putting off your own pleasure for the good of someone else. People who perform selfless acts of kindness, whether by volunteering for a shelter or just helping out a friend, raise their reported level of happiness. Step 2. Don't sweat decisions. The longer a choice is debated, the less happy the decider is with the outcome. Whether it's what to eat or where to live, first set your standards, the factors most important to you. Then take the first option that meets them. Step 3. Spend well. If you're going to splurge, do it on an experience you'll remember, not goods or gadgets. Research indicates that people often regret purchasing an expensive item, but tend not to regret money spent on experiences such as dining and travel. Step four, aim high, but not that high. Those at the pinnacle of financial success don't report significantly higher levels of happiness than the average Joe. Ask yourself if that overtime is really worth it. Step five, be a joiner. Whether it's a church, synagogue, or street dance crew, Being part of a defined community group raises happiness levels. Step six, stop dwelling. Leading psychologist Sonia Lyubomirsky has found that the happiest people don't dwell on negative or ambiguous events. Furthermore, excessive introspection may sap your mental resources, making it harder for positive changes to occur. So turn off that Morrissey record and go outside. Step seven, be grateful. Several professors and scholars in this field instruct students to keep a regular journal of what they're thankful for. The results indicate that gratitude reliably increases happiness. Who knew that those greeting cards urging us to count our blessings were right? This concludes VideoJug's Guide to Research-Based Happiness. It has to work. It's science. Thanks for watching, and have a thrifty, community-focused, non-introspective day. Done! Yeah,
0: well, you know, I don't think it's quite that easy, but I love that this funny little video actually gives some some good advice. Things like doing kind things, not sweating decisions so much, spending your money well. Did you hear joining a community community group will actually make you happier? Uh, Stop dwelling on things you can't change and being more grateful for the things you do have. All of these things will actually help us not to worry so much and perhaps to be a little happier as well. But of course we always want to look to scripture to go find our answer. So let me read to you Matthew 6:33. And it says this, "But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." Let me break that down for a moment. The first part, seek first. Seek First, our first thoughts and actions should be directed towards God at all times Not humans Not in response to the media Not out of, out of our own greed or our selfishness But towards God and God alone and The only way we can do this is to wake up every day facing heaven To crawl out of bed To spend time with Jesus And start your day with him at your side And then in every situation throughout that day We simply go to God When you are trying to make a tough decision, seek first. When you are headed towards a temptation, seek first. When you're having a pity party about your life, seek first. And when you are anxious and worried about anything, seek first. Make the commitment now to reduce your anxiety by making sure you are seeking him first. Now, i got to tell you, when Ron asked me to speak a couple weeks ago, I started putting this together, and it was coming along smoothly. And one night, I was laying in bed, and I was not sleeping, and I was worrying about this. I was worrying, and I thought, no, this can't be. How could I possibly come speak to a group of people about not worrying when I'm laying in bed, worrying about how I'm going to speak to them? you know what I did? I gave myself my own notes. Seek first. That's it. Hey, let me give that a shot. And I laid in bed, and I prayed, hummed a little song, and I dozed off to sleep with Jesus at my side. And I got to tell you, the last two weeks have been life-changing. Two words, seek first. Whenever I've gone throughout my day for the last couple weeks, no matter what it has been, that has been on my mind. Seek first, and I tell you, if you remember nothing else today, grab onto those two words and let them guide you each day. Seek first His kingdom. If you look back through the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapters 5 to 7, and that's where the scripture today is taken from, this is all about living in God's kingdom here on earth. And here are some things you would notice in those chapters. People spreading the good news about Jesus' love. A poverty of spirit. In other words, a a deep understanding that without God we are nothing. Living so that God would approve of our lifestyle. The effort to focus on others, being people of deep prayer, living righteously, generosity above selfishness, and placing our priorities on heaven, and so, so, so much more just in those three chapters. Our lives as kingdom people, when we choose to live for Jesus, our lives as kingdom people should be characterized by love, by generosity, and by prayer, not by worry and anxiety, How is yours? How is your life? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteous is defined as this, acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin. We are to seek a life that glorifies God in all we think, all that we say, and all that we do. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else will be added to that. And don't forget, all of, I'm ta- all of this I'm talking about, this verse, all of this is tied into anxiety and worry. Worry, I believe, is caused in great part to the fact that we just do not live for Jesus each day. We do not trust him with the things in our lives and the decisions we have to make. And when we live for Jesus, all those things we worry about, and I truly believe this, physically and emotionally, will be taken care of far better then if we put our energy into trying to use our earthly means and correct all these things instead of just turning and trusting and giving it to God. This last verse is really an interesting one. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow, the future. The future is going to have some problems. It's unavoidable. It's the world we live in. There will be issues that come up. Scripture tells us that. But by worrying, we do nothing but use up our strength and we tear down our trust in God instead of going to Him and using our strength to know Him, to worship Him, and to trust Him as we do our part in trying to figure all this out. That, that phrase, seek first, that I already talked about a couple times, it's actually in the present imperative for you English teachers out there, which means we are to be in a continual quest. It's an ongoing thing. So we are continually to be seeking God's kingdom. We are continually be on a quest for godly living. It's ongoing. It's all the time in our life. When we do this, our focus will be taken off ourselves, what we eat, what we wear, what we clothe ourselves with, and we'll be freed from our desires to be anxious and worry so much about our life. That's what we need to do by seeking first. Let me read you one other scripture here. This is Psalm 119, 43 to 45. It starts out this way. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. Last week Ron talked about abiding in Jesus, about dwelling, making your home in him and listening to his words. I love that. And then this the next verse 44 says this, I will always obey your law forever and ever. Obey your law, obey your word. The word today tells us do not worry. It tells us do not worry. That's a command. We also know from Scripture we are to give all our anxieties to God. He cares for us. We are to give Him our anxieties. We are to pay attention. And we are to obey His laws and His words. And then look at verse 45. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. How would you like to walk in freedom? How would you like to be free from your anxiety and your worry and to be able to walk in freedom from those? I actually teach a class at William Jessup University on the Sermon on the Mount. And this week I'm going to be lecturing about worry. And on Friday, what I call fun Fridays, hey, I'm a professor, it's a Friday class, you've got to call it something. And so on Friday, on fun Friday, they have an assignment. They don't come to class that day. They're actually supposed to set their alarm for when class would start at 10.30 and it reminds them to make a list. Make a list of all the things they tend to worry about very much like you did earlier. They're to make that list. They're to pray about it. They're to offer it to God and then they are supposed to, um, oh yeah, not worry about them. Like that's the assignment. I gave them that assignment. Spend the rest of the day not worrying about them. Doesn't that sound pleasant? Doesn't that sound like a good thing? It comes straight from scripture, you can do this. So can I challenge you to do that same? If you're like me, you can identify with the problem of worry. It's a daily battle to overcome. But why not change now? It's never too late. What a great way to start a new week by committing to meet with God daily. Offering up your worries and letting God then guide you through each day as you seek him first. So take that sheet again where you mark down those worries. Flip that over. Look at those. Ready? You got that list? We're going to take a small time here and allow you to actually reflect on them. To look at them. To pray about them. To offer them to God and then release them into his hands. We're going to be listening to uh, Lindsay sing a song called "Still and I want you to use In Jesus if you're not a visual person then close your eyes listen to the words Lindsay will sing and listen to the amazing Beautiful guitar that'll be com- work that'll be coming from Dave, and just let that sink in. I want the lyrics of the lyrics of song to actually just wash over you as you sit still and abiding with Jesus. The song starts like this Oh, come, my anxious thoughts. There's no reason to fear. You've given perfect love. Why would I waste my time with worries? I need to be still. Quiet until your peace comes and drowns out the noise. Let the noise of this world disappear and God's voice comfort you in this time.
2: Turn this fear into faith I may not understand it all But the peace that you give Reminds me I need to be still And quiet Until your peace comes and rounds out I want to be found See?
0: God, we just lift you up right now. Lord, I know the words I've said today are easy to say. so much harder to live out. Thank you, God, that your words, your scripture has been on my heart. And this song has to for weeks. And it's made a difference. Lord, I pray for everyone sitting in this room now. That you would be the force that brings them peace. They would not seek it out in other ways and they would not worry so much. May each one of us do our part, the part you've called us to do. May we work hard. May we take care of the business that we can. for those things that we can't, can we let them go, God? Can we trust that you are God, that you love us, you'll never leave us nor forsake us? And may we just lift you up this week. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.